Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. Welcome. You are listening to Nerd at Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel. I am Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita, and we are joined live in the flesh. By our friend Peter Sagan. I'm back, and in honor of Jon Snow, I have shaved all of my body hair off. Ooh, <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> what's with that? He's he's from a northern Man. race. He should have a little insulation. I didn't even think of that yes, little insulation I know. Apparently, today. they have depilatory creams Ooh. up at... <laughs> Today we, are, today, today we are rehashing <laughs> And we're seven, derailed immediately. Episode 7, the season finale of Game of Thrones. Aww. The dragon and the wolf. But this is not our last episode of Recaps. Just so you know, we're going to dissect today just the finale episode. And then next week we'll be back with one last episode where we're going to recap the entire season and make our predictions for next season. So what you're saying is this is actually our penultimate episode and therefore has to be the most interesting. Exactly. Right? No pressure. This is, where, is this where traditionally we have the enormous battle? Yeah, totally. Okay. Get ready, guys. Gear up. All right, let's get started in King's Landing, shall we? Okay. It's so weird that there's no music to. Take I know. Us there, I feel. But that's I was okay. going to sit here and waiting for music, and then yeah. list. Well, Harry Strickland's in prison, uh, guys. Yeah. So we have a nice little. Should we just start with this testament to the patriarchy? This might be one of my favorite clips, actually, ever, because I feel like it sums up a lot about Game of Thrones. All right. You wouldn't find me fighting in an army if I had no cock. What's left to fight for? Gold. I spend my life around soldiers. What do you think they spend that gold on? Family. Not without a cock, you don't. Maybe it really is all cocks in the end. Maybe it really is all, all cocks in, in the, the end. end. Don't you think? I feel like this sums up not only this episode, but this entire series and maybe I, all of our lives. It's guys. true. And you remember how back in the first season they used to do the promos for this new show that no one had heard of outside this geek community? And it would say, Winter is coming. Mm -hmm. And they really, I wish they would just do that. Same images of all the characters <laughs> sitting in the Iron Throne, even from season one. And it just says, maybe it is all just cocks in the end. <laughs> and it would be fitting. Oh, it was a philosophical man. conversation. Although I do wish that some point during, I mean, it, there are moments in this episode that almost veered to this level of comedy. If while Brom was going on about how it's pointless if you don't have a cock, they just cut to Grey Worm. And he just gives a little smile. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh. There's so many unsullied and they stand so still. They do. That's basically what they do is they're really good at standing in very nice geometrical lines. It's intimidating, guys. Yeah. It's intimidating. And then you had all the all the all the whooping. I like their whooping. Yeah, I think I think they um are going to, I guess, once they open the gates of King's Landing, be able to use their horseman skills? Because yeah. otherwise it's sort of like in a siege that involves walls, 
actually horses are not useful. Yes, I, was, yes. <laughs> I was wondering how the horses were how going to be the, the first through the, the gates. <laughs> or if, you know, anyway. But no, so like, you know, menacing, we're menacing at the edges of all the things just so mm-hmm. that we can make sure that everybody knows the stakes are high for the dragon pit, you the guys. Sta- oh, yeah. Well, the armies are here. All the armies are there. The, the fleets are all just, you know, idling in the bay. Yeah. So everybody's in King's Landing. Yes. Which was kind of mind-blowing to see them all on that platform in the dragon pit. It was. I think that it was meant to be mind-blowing. All of that build-up, all of those walks to the dragon pit and explanations of where it is and the shots of the pavilion were as much about, like, oh, all these, um, you know, different factions and the vying for power are going to meet and have a conclave as it is, hey, all these actors who haven't done a scene together for seven years are back together for the first time since Winterfell. Ain't it amazing? So what was your favorite little reunion among that? Oh, the Hound scene. and Brienne. Yeah, sure. that was yeah. pretty nice. Yeah. Really? I mean, I think of the, well, Pod and everybody is always fun to me because <laughs> I just like Podrick a lot. Great. Everybody yeah. loves Podrick. Yeah. But, but it, the, the like, oh, our little uh, sociopaths all grown yeah. up moment between the Hound and yeah. Brienne yeah. was kind of sweet. It yeah. was kind of fun, too, just because I like both those actors so much yeah, that great. it was nice to see the, them each there, have there a was this, moment. There was this wonderful moment of awkwardness. I mean, I don't, I've been in a lot of socially awkward situations in my life. <laughs> really? Yes. But I've never been where, like, I run into a guy who I had recently killed, <laughs> and he's not dead. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I killed you, and I'm, I feel kind of bad now because you're here. <laughs> awkward. How's it going? <laughs> it really is. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Last time I saw you, you were punching me in the crotch, <laughs> and then I was slamming your face with my mailed fist until you went over a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You. <laughs> My favorite tweet I saw last night was somebody saying about the Jamie and Brienne reunion. Jamie saying, oh, Brienne, don't talk to me. We're only friends at camp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really good. Did they have dialogue? I wish I could have watched the whole thing again. There was was a look. They did. Brienne and Jamie? Not until after the the summit. Yeah. The zombie summit. And And what did they say? Well, they said this. We've got it, actually. So, Jamie... It's been good to see you. I imagine the next time we'll be across the battlefield. We both saw what just happened. We both saw that thing. Yes, and I'm not looking forward to seeing more of them. So I'm loyal to the Queen, and you're loyal to sons and adult brothers. Oh, fuck loyalty! Fuck loyalty? This goes beyond houses and honour and oaths. Talk to the Queen. Was it weird to hear Brienne say... This goes beyond honor and houses and oaths when that all that is almost literally all she has ever been about from the moment we met her swearing her loyalty to Renly. She has just been someone who's out there. Remember, we used to joke about this. All she wanted to do was swear an oath to somebody. I think that speaks to the gravity of the situation. The fact that she's like, no, this is beyond even... My reason for existence. Right, but she doesn't really reflect on that. I mean, she doesn't say, yes, I have spent my life swearing my loyalty to this person or that person because that's what I thought was important. But it turns out I was wrong. She just, she blows right by that. It's almost as if, he said, foreshadowing many comments he's about to make during this podcast, that it's not actually the same character we've watched for these five or six seasons. Yeah, what I would say is I think you're just expecting too much from it, Peter. (laughs) I think that's just not the show we get anymore. I I think think we just have to for yes, those that, things yes. for ourselves. If, if you just imagine the character who it, you actually sort of got to know, and they're not there anymore. But let's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, really, that was not a very Brienne-like thing to say. 
it was a conversation, like many conversations, that seemed more driven about the exigencies of the moment than the who the characters actually were. I do think that the Night King and the White Walkers are the scarier part of the situation than the Whites to me. Maybe just because we've been seeing the Whites and how sort of slow and bumbly they are for yeah. so long. So I think that if I was Brienne and I had just seen one zombie guy who like can be cut in half with a sword and then can only crawl and who fire kills, I'm not sure I would be ready to fuck loyalty hmm. because that single white to me wasn't that right. scary in that situation. But like the Night King on an ice dragon sure is. Yes. You know what I mean? So I think it's weird because like <laughs> what we actually saw the characters um, experience in terms of one white being taken down pretty easily by just a swordsman. And a little bit of fire is not, you know, right. something to like throw out your whole life plan and ethos about maybe. But we as the audience know there's a fire and ice well, dragon. And a, he wasn't taken out easily with, by a swordsman. I mean, like yeah, those two pieces kept living. Yeah, but they are like terrifying. not able to do anything. I'm, I'm sure Trisha. they could still fight. I mean, I mean it was weird. We, 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 we went from not believing that this crazy scheme of kidnapping a white and bringing it to Cersei and showing it to her could ever possibly work, which is like, we were like, come on, guys, that's never going to work. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. And then we watched it, and it worked, sort of, and we're all like, come on, no way would that work. And I felt the same way. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, th- they needed everybody to go, oh, my God, and set their hair on fire because they saw this white, when at the same time you could just have easily believed somebody saying, wait a minute, this is just magic. We've all seen various kinds of magic before. For example, Cersei could say, check out the really big guy behind me who was killed some seasons ago and is still here. And they could have retained their suspicions more openly. I didn't buy the fact that everybody was like, oh, yeah, dead thing in a box. Let's all drop our enmities. I did like a couple times in this episode that it felt like we were seeing actors who are pretty good pretend to do things as their characters. So like Euron Greyjoy was actually bad at Mm -hmm. acting like he was leaving for real because it wasn't the actor being Euron. It was Euron trying to pretend something. Yes. And so it was stiff and wouldn't like... Well, I'm out of here. I'm going back to my island. Like that bit to me, at first I was like, that was terrible acting. Oh, wait, no, that's uh, the actor yeah. playing the a person acting. There were a lot and of... Cersei did it too, I think, a couple times. Cersei did it. Uh, Sansa did it at the beginning of yeah. the oh, quote-unquote yeah. trial. Uh, there were a lot of psych-outs, uh, to use a phrase from Steve Johnson's uh, recap in the Chicago Tribune. Uh, there were a lot of flags popping out of gun barrels. <laughs> That's a good way of it putting it. It is a good way of putting it, and and possibly a valid criticism in that there was a lot of fake-outs. Yeah. My favorite Euron moment was actually in the previously on section yes. with the closed caption because he was standing there next to Yara and it just said, cackles maniacally. And I was like, <laughs> well, that sums it all up. It really does. By the way, what is Theon doing? at that summit because Theon (sighs) has no navy anymore. Uh, His main claim to influence was that he had brought this power, this naval power to, um, uh, what's her name? You know, Daenerys, her. You know her. Her, that girl. And (laughs) it's all gone. Uh, Yara, who, if anything, he was only a lieutenant to, is gone. So why should Theon be there? Other than to, like, have a main character at the reunion, which we all wanted, and to have someone for Euron to yell at. Yeah. The, I wrote down in my notes, why does Euron still exist? I feel like the Greyjoys are just, like, the most 
unnecessary. No, yeah. Euron points. is great, and he has to go get the Golden Company, as we right. will find out later. But right, like, right. That fleet is still super important to yeah. the battle to come. Yeah, it's just you know the fact that he still thinks he's going to marry Cersei. Like it just, it just feel, it just doesn't ring true. Which I guess is a ridiculous thing to say within there, this there, world. There, there was a lot of there was a lot of ringing in this episode, and very little of it was true. Yeah. Yeah. If what's, you the, guys? what's the saying? No more answers, only better and better lies. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So Euron gets up and leaves and he yells at Theon, who shouldn't even be there. Let's save <laughs> let's save Theon. Let's stick with the idiot move, okay. which I consider to be just a TED talk <laughs> for how to kill a zombie. <laughs> Right? <laughs> that would have been awesome if Jon Snow stood up with one of those little, little mics. Face mic. Like, hi, so I live at Castle Black. I'm part of the Night's Watch, and it's an organization devoted to being the shield of the realms of men. I really like the TED Radio Hour, Peter. <laughs> Guy Ross, so tell me really what it is about killing, uh, killing White Walkers. Sorry. <laughs> yes. So there's a demonstration and everybody is supposedly convinced by this. I, for some reason, and I joined in this, I was watching with a group of friends and the shot where uh, Clegane, I mean Sandor, the hound, comes up carrying the big box yeah. with the white in it yeah. all by himself caused peals of laughter. In huh. the room I was watching. Yeah. And people were like, no, lift with your legs. It just seemed sort of unintentionally hilarious. Oh, it's... I think that was intentionally funny. That's you funny. So? I, don't, oh, I did completely. not laugh at that moment. Oh, no, no. I think no, it was meant to be real. Like, the actor played that scene, I think, beautifully because it was meant to be menacing, but he bumbled intentionally, right? Like, the, the sort of struggling to set it down was intentionally funny. And then he kind of struggles to get the lid off. And then everybody has their awkward oh. pause of, like, is it dead? Is, gonna is work? there anything is in the gonna box? Is this going to work? What if nothing comes out? I was and worried that it over the box. Like, ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was freaked out that a Lannister had subbed out the boxes somehow, yeah. and there wouldn't, and they'd be like, "What scary thing? There's no scary thing, guys." Yeah. Or I was thinking of that great Bugs Bunny, or I, I guess it should be a Looney Tunes because Bugs Bunny is an in it cartoon about the singing frog. And the guy finds the frog that sings, hello, my honey. Hello. Oh, yeah. And wherever he goes, he, the frog won't do it for anybody else. <laughs> it would be like that. And so like, they tilt out the dead guy and the, the white's just lying there. And he just sings, hello, hello my And you know, and, and Sandra's like, no, really, it moves. And he starts picking up its arms and making him wave. Man. No, really, look, it's alive. <sighs> Sorry. There's so much else to talk about. How, there it's are so many just, meetings that are hard to keep track of and glances. Just, okay, so... Cersei, so John says, John tells Cersei that he's right. allegiant to Daenerys. Yes. Cersei stomps off. Okay. Stop right there. Yes. So the the way the scene was written was everybody, it works. Yes. The the dumbest plan in all of uh, it's television legit worked. Scary. It's legit scary. Everybody goes, ah. Everybody goes, oh my God, the existence of this one horrible monster means everything changes you're telling everything. me is correct. It changes everything. We're all going to be allied. It's all going to work. Isn't that amazing? Hey, John, by the way, would you just remain neutral? No, I can't. Oh, well, then the whole thing's off. Yeah, I'm leaving. I'm out. Out. Did you buy that? Did you buy that everything that had happened to that point, as unlikely as it was, could have been instantly derailed by John refusing this seemingly almost technical request to remain neutral? No, I can't remain neutral. I've, 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 uh, I've, sworn, my, I've sworn my allegiance and more. To the babe in the corner, did did that play out for you? You're like, oh no, John! Everybody else is going, John, you have to lie. But I'm like, really? Did that make a difference? Nobody puts Danny in a corner. <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't think it should have. She stomped off. It seemed childish. Patricia, what do you think? But it was all. I mean, this is the art of negotiating, guys. I read books on this stuff. You do? Yeah. 
uh, for reasons. Um, but I think that the the thing that worked about it was is that Cersei knew that the real deal was going to be struck in private between her and her brother. Right. Tyrion knew that the real deal was going to be struck in private between her and her sister. Right. They couldn't actually say the things they needed to say in front of everyone. So she has to stomp off so that she can have that conversation. And we still don't know exactly what convinced Cersei and Tyrion to come back into the dragon pit. That's I think true. that's one of the cool little moments of uh, intrigue that'll be left for next season is what was actually the deal. Because Tyrion and and Cersei in that scene, I think the writing was a little heavy-handed, but I enjoyed yeah. it overall because those actors yes. turned in A-plus performances in that scene. That was Tyrion. The, the First of all, the wine was funny, right? Yes, pouring the wine. And the fact that she doesn't drink it is, I think, a little nod to the fact that she's pregnant, but also I don't think in Westeros they know that you shouldn't <laughs> drink if you're pregnant, but apparently they do. Yeah. And uh, But the line about, like, you know I loved the children, if you have a heart left, you know I do. Like, that felt like season two and three, Cersei and Tyrion, and felt great. That yeah. felt like the show at its best. Those quiet moments in a room are the reason I like the show and have liked it for so long. Not the sort of, like, walls coming, tumbling down, dragons burning things, but, like, Watching Peter Dinklage and Lena Headey do that is, right. I think, awesome. You're right. And and somebody pointed out that they haven't been in the same set together since season four. Yeah. Wow. Which makes, which is sad, but true. Because you're right that those interacting interactions between those family members was amazing way back when. Was it still? Or more to the point, play out for me, because you've read books in negotiation, what Cersei got. I was just thinking if I had read books in negotiation, maybe I'd be getting more for doing this than a plate of cookies. Hmm. But <laughs> You haven't even gotten the cookies. I haven't even gotten the cookies. <laughs> I could be cookie-less when this is all uh-huh. done. But if she was playing a game at that first moment of walking away, what did she get from playing the game? She got the quiet sidebar back channel and whatever came of that. So I don't know what the deal was that was struck there, but I feel like something was promised or something happened there that's the sort of direct dealing side bargain so she between was, the Lannister she siblings. She got something. I think so. In exchange for her Some supposed sort of assurance, cooperation. Maybe. Or she also just got to do a power move in the same way that she got to uh, have a dramatic re-entrance to sort of say to Danny, like, yeah, you may have come in on a dragon, but I have the power to walk out and walk back right. in. And, you know, again, it's all just, I'm not saying it's smart, but it's chess moves sure. that are all not necessarily brilliant, but meant to show where power is and isn't. This is what I think she got. She got a really nice reunion scene with Peter Dinklage. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it, is my point. That the only reason of going through all that dumb show was to do exactly what you and I and everybody else wanted, which was to see Lena Headey and Peter Dinklage in a chamber together sipping wine or not. Although, did you... I'm sorry, I missed this. The fact that she doesn't drink wine, which is how you think... Which is one of the clues that Tyrion has that she's pregnant. I thought maybe. I also thought it was maybe a nod to... There just being all these little moments of foreboding and potential ominous something happening, right? So it's like he walks in, you're like, is he going to die, right? Like they really want us to think that maybe Tyrion dies this episode at each stage. Yeah. kind of He says goodbye to Jamie. He walks in and the mountain is there. Uh, you know, he says, go ahead, kill me now. She doesn't. He pours the wine. He drinks it. She doesn't. And you go like, oh, is, is it going to be poison? Uh, you know, like the kind that Joffrey drank. Is it going to be the mountain that kills him? And so, like at each step, you think maybe he's not going to make it out of that room, and then he does. Right. Walks back in. Yeah. Can I talk about something that that represented for me in this episode that actually sure. really drove me nuts, though? Which is that I think it was a certain self awareness of the show where no fewer than five characters in this episode asked, literally said out loud, "Am I going to die?" and then didn't die. 
no less than five. So clearly no fewer than five. <laughs> fewer than five. So yeah. Tyrion did it. Tyrion did it. Jamie did it. Yeah, same way too. With Bronn the... did it early did on. Bronn did it in the very beginning of the episode. What did he say? He was like, "Is this how we're going to die?" When they're looking out yeah, yeah. at the armies, the Hound did it when he when they were in King's Landing. He's like, "I I left the city because I didn't want to die here. Am I right. going to die here now?" And then Theon, I guess he didn't literally say, "I'm going to die," but when he's fighting that. Iron Islands dude. Yeah. The Iron Islands guy keeps saying, I am going to kill you. Right. And then doesn't. Right. So those are five instances in this one episode of people of possible impending death that right. doesn't actually happen that I just found really frustrating and like kind of lazy on the part of the showrunner. In other words, they're indicating to us like you we know that you Yeah, you want you think somebody's going to die. somebody's going to die. Is it going to be the hound? Is it going to be yeah, let's, Is it going to be Jamie? Yeah, I just it just felt I just found that really I just found it really frustrating to watch. Yeah. That. Well, there has been a level of uh, a self-awareness of themselves as characters in a right. story that we've been talking right. about all seasons so that would play into that. Anything else that we need to discuss in King's Landing? Before oh, there was so much stuff going on, but I don't know how to—I don't know how to address it all. I mean, it, it all struck me as being somewhat contrived. But I mean, I, in a weird way, I felt about that particular scene the way a lot of people felt about the march of our uh, band of brothers north of the wall last season. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, it was kind of fun to see all these characters together after so long, and I was kind of enjoying the glances between and the conversations between. Brienne and Sandor, and I keep calling him Sandor. I like him. Brienne and the Hound, and <laughs> and and not to mention the little sort of weigh in for the Clegane Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you know where they yeah. didn't. Have, I mean, I was even think. I even read my notes. It's like, oh, they're going to have the Clegane Bowl in an actual bowl. That's a little literary, <laughs> literal. I mean, <laughs> but all that happened, of course, is that. Uh, and it was interesting to me that the Hound walked up to the mountain, yeah, and didn't say anything like, "You look bad," or. What happened to you? He or... said, you look worse than me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did, oh, he did say, say that. that. He did, he did say, say that. that. But he didn't express any interest in, like, what happened to you? Were you yeah. dead? Are you not dead? Are you roast beef? What are you? Yeah. Why, yeah. Say something. You weird. can't say something? Why can't you say anything? Yeah. Is he supposed to know what happened? Does anybody know what happened? It's a great question. I did like how Kyburn was like, Interesting. This hand is fascinating. Yeah, Kyburn like was, was super stoked like the, on the, that the, hand. The, the evil scientist version of him was just like, "Oh boy, <laughs> how did they do that? I want to get me some of that." So you see, he, he, that was like the only moment of, un, of completely convincing, unmitigated joy. Far more convincing than the sex scene that ended it. Kyburn, he was the only person who seemed Woo! genuinely happy. All right, we have much more to discuss in just a minute. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that and it's Chicago based. So you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. All right, much more to recap of this season seven finale of Game of Thrones. Oh, uh -oh. Justin, are we getting what? a call? Is that a. All right. I have a collect call from. Oh. Harry Strickland, take the fucking call. <laughs> at a San Bernardino detention facility. This call will be. Re oh, Christ. 
Hello? Can hey, you hear me? Hello? Harry? Yeah, yeah, this is H-Bomb. I had to do a lot to get this phone. So we got just a couple minutes here, but I wanted to do the song for the Game of uh, Kings thing that you guys are doing. <laughs> Harry. Since I know I left you a little bit high and dry there. Uh, do you have your synth? Yeah, well, you know, I learned a lot. I've been a lot in the clink here with the music that the guys do, so I think I got a little... I think I got a little thing up my sleeve here. Well, you went to some effort, so uh, okay, Harry, where are we going? Okay, we're Winterfell, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Winterfell. Winter, we're going to Winterfell. Winterfell, okay, uh, okay. So, Winterfell. Man, that was uh, great. Th- thank. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> you guys want me to hold the line for the I, other one? Here? I mean, I can, can you it. can you hold down? Can the hold phone? on. Can you hold on? Just just yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. and t- tell Blagojevich to stay away. We need you. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Harry. We'll hang in there, man. Keep it real. Okay. So we're in Winterfell. So Winterfell. So it, so we have the great climax of what has basically been the only plot in Winterfell. Yep. This entire season. Six episodes. Seven episodes? <laughs> seven, seven episodes. And it comes to the climax of all of Littlefinger's manipulations, all the whispering, all the lurking. He dead. He dead now. And it turns out it was all nonsense all along. Because... That, Ovaries before brovery. Hey-o. First of all, props, props to Trish, Maester Bobita, who called that many podcasts ago. Yeah, that it was going to be ovaries at for least ovaries. two I, podcasts. That's ago. what I, I. In fact, I believe I said that out loud as we as, <laughs> as the denouement was reached. I was like, "What do you know? Ovaries before broveries." And this is the moment at which you eat crow. Why? Explain well, to me. Somebody I guess wrote not. in. You didn't said, really why disagree. He, why why do I have to eat crow because of this? I don't know. Because yeah. Trisha had to explain ovaries before broveries to you. Because you didn't get it, Peter. I don't know. Well, <laughs> the reason I'm not going to eat crow or raven about <laughs> yeah. this is because although I didn't predict that exactly what would happen, I was calling bullshit on the entire plot this entire season. Like, what are they arguing yeah, about? What yeah, is, which is fair. I was like, what exactly is the issue between them that's real, between Arya and Sansa? What exactly is Littlefinger doing? It doesn't seem very sophisticated for Littlefinger. He just seems to be trying to manipulate them to dislike each other for reasons that seem unclear. It just seemed the whole thing seemed dumb. And now we know it was all bullshit. It was dumb. It was dumb. And it was there was no real conflict. They were putting us on. And there was something false about it, and I was trying to figure out what it was. And what I thought of was the scene from last episode about the faces, right? High-tension scene between Arya and Sansa. Arya seems to almost threaten Sansa's life, right? Now, we see that scene. We, the viewers, we're watching the tension between them. I might kill you and take your face. (gasps) Will you? (gasps) No, you won't. So that scene, it turns out, was entirely for our benefit in the audience so they could fool us. Littlefinger wasn't there. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to fool him. They were fooling us. So it it seems to me like they broke a cardinal rule of storytelling, which is you can have characters lie to each other all the time and fool each other all the time. A lot of the show is about characters manipulating each other through falsehood. But they lied to the audience. Hmm. They showed us a level of tension that didn't really exist. And the only people they were fooling was us so that we would be worried as we went into this trial scene that it was, in fact, Arya on the dock. And I don't think and I and I think that that I, I don't th- I, I think you have to call foul foul. I say Th- throwing a flag <laughs> flag on the play. I will I will say that I think that that flag on the play has merit. But I also think that in a slightly sloppy way, to be sure, 
we were meant to think that, you know, again, it's very unclear how much time has passed and how many other sort of off-screen conversations about what's going on right. they've yeah. all had with each other. But clearly before we get to that trial scene, Sansa knows some things that maybe Bran told her. Bran has talked to Arya and Sansa maybe about Littlefinger. They've had some sort of family meeting. Right. They've had a stark family <laughs> meeting about what to family do about Littlefinger. Meeting. And we didn't get to see that. Right. But it all kind of came together and they decided like now is the time to do this as opposed to I mean you know I kind of had forgotten honestly I mean I knew but had forgotten that uh, Sansa is the one that knows that he pushed her through the moon door right? and all these other things so when they said murder and treason I was like oh yeah she's aware that he Uh, murdered exactly which is something she's known all along so why in the world would we ever have believed or been asked to believe that he trusted her in any way which was so much a part of this whole manipulation that he was listening she rather was listening to him you see what I mean? The whole thing was one last huge fake out, except Littlefinger wasn't being faked out. We were. Yeah. And I don't like it. What do you think of Littlefinger's <laughs> what do you think of Littlefinger's exit? His pleading and whining and Man, he dropped the knee quick. He did. He Aiden pleaded was and whined. Great in that scene, I think. Yeah. Well he did he did really a very good job, Aiden Gillen, of what he the actor, what he was asked to do, which was to be increasingly desperate and for the first time and the last time, completely at a loss. We'll, we'll never see him again that way, and we never have before. But did you buy it as a fine exit for the character? I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I mean, compare it, for example, to Ramsey's exit. When last we saw Ramsey yeah. last season, he was sitting in a chair. He was beaten literally to a pulp, and he was about to be eaten by a dog, And he, but he was Ramsey to the last, right? He yeah. never broke until they bit off his jaw and he screamed, which <laughs> you, all right, fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Yeah, the catharsis factor yeah. was not what and, it and I been. but I, I was looking at Littlefinger sort of whine and snivel and beg, and and I had this weird thought, which is this like another kind of cliche in television or any kind of storytelling, where somebody dies and they say, well, you're sorry he died. He says, well, to me he died years ago because he became evil or whatever the character might have done. This wasn't Littlefinger. This wasn't the Littlefinger of seasons one, two, three, four, or even five. This was some other character with Littlefinger's name, but who didn't have his sophistication, his coldness, his amorality. He just was this guy who was playing at being Littlefinger this whole season. And so when he departed, I'm like, eh, well. I don't know. <laughs> I, I liked watching him have to take off that mask and show what a sort of insecure, sniveling creature he really is. Yeah. And I thought my favorite moment of it is the guy who has the very shiny silver breastplate oh, yeah. saying, <laughs> you know, he goes like, I'm Lord Protector of the Vale, you have to take me back. And he just goes, I think not. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. Bronze Yon Joy, no, Bronze Yon Royce. Yes, indeed. I just, I just <laughs> like that, I like that name and I like that actor because he's been around for the entirety of the series and he's got like two lines every eighth episode. Yeah. And yet there he is. And yeah. I love the guy. I, I like that guy. I like that interaction. I like watching him literally scramble like an animal trapped in a weird yeah. environment in that yeah. room and sort of looking anywhere he can for something. I think, um, I think it was fun to watch that character who, like you said, we've never seen him that way before and we'll never see him that way again because the man who says imagine everything always so that you're ready for it yeah, didn't looked imagine. genuinely surprised. Right. Yeah, that and is, yeah. Would he have been, which is my point, the guy who says imagine everything, who presumably has done this for his career because we remember those of us who are nerdy and read the books. Because he's never been out Littlefinger. Well, I know. Out little yeah, fingered, little I think, finger. too, if he's smug enough to think that he owns, that he is in control of Sansa. Right. 
then yeah, yeah I think that level his own of blind spot. Smug, yeah. yeah. He, he, let me. He, it was. I guess what I'm saying is that he, by the end, descended to a Sir Dantos level of credulity and dumbness, <laughs> which was not his brand. Is all I'm saying. One more weird thing. <laughs> uh, Arya executes him. Super in, fast. In a really kind of almost like Grey Worm kind of way, right? The last time we saw somebody do that was last season when Grey Worm got rid of two of the slave masters. Um, and everybody was cool with that, including Sansa. It was like, yes. And now that he has been, quote unquote, convicted in this, quote unquote, court, uh, we'll be executing him. Arya, my little sister, who I've heard that you've done a lot of terrible things, but I've never seen it. But okay, go ahead. Slash his throat. Great. You did it. Terrific. Now he's bleeding out on the floor. Well, let's go have a sisterly conversation on the wall. <laughs> As opposed to, oh my God, you just killed a guy. No, oh no, my there God. Was, there was a nod from Sansa to Arya that yeah. she was to unsheath. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was ready to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess they have gone from, so what happened to you? You're kind of weird now to, okay, you kill people. That's fine. I accept that. That's just something you do. Um, really quickly. And, 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 and also, I'm just going to say, Arya is arguably, what, 17 now? Ish, sure. Around there. That's really kind of still bad <laughs> to have 17-year-old anybodies, I will say women as well, uh, just cold-bloodedly slash people's throats. I mean, I know we know that's what she does. We know that Arya has been through an emotional and traumatic journey that has brought her to a place where she has and will and believably slashes people's throats with not a blink. But at the same time, nobody else thinks that's a little, I don't know, disturbing? Well, I guess I would say, so, I mean, they have obviously had conversations that we haven't seen, as Trisha mentioned. Stark family meetings. Yeah. yeah. So I think from that... You know, I think Sansa has had time to get used to that notion, you know, and I think the fact that they've both been through a whole lot of shit. The show also starts with Bran at what, at the time, nine or ten, going to watch an execution. Yeah. And the whole Ned Stark thing is the person who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Right. Right. It's a very important thing to Ned Stark. And so collectively now the Stark children are justice. Yes. But not individually. That's true. And and it's interesting that they mm. quoted quite openly and literally, they quoted father. Oh, yes, as father used to say. Yeah. When that, I did have the same thought that that, that Arya executing Littlefinger was exactly or an echo of that very first moment of seeing Ned Stark, of, of executing that, uh, that Night's Watch deserter. But it was weird that nobody, that, it was weird that nobody pointed that out. Was it weird that nobody pointed uh, out? I think it would have been weirder if somebody had pointed it out. If somebody had said, you know. How old are you? Yeah, well, is that... Are you old enough to murder? Yeah, have you done that before? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, no, she only has like a murderer's learner's permit. Yeah, yeah, so she has to be in the presence of an adult. An adult adult murderer license, (laughs) which she kind of was, I guess. Uh, Okay, Dragonstone. Oh, hang on. Is Harry still on the line? Harry? Harry? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, Harry, we're going to Dragonstone. Dragonstone, okay. Hold on, just forget you. These are my socks. Okay, hold on a second. Okay, ready? Okay. These are my fucking socks, man. I paid... I'm sorry about that. This is a jungle inside of this place. All right, Dragonstone. Dragonstone. Oh, that was that, that was, was worth. Thanks. I see, yeah. what, I see yeah. what you did there. No, so, you go. You get the fuck out of here, Harry. I bought this stock, Harry. It sounds like no, maybe. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> He's gonna wait his fucking. You can wait your turn, asshole. No, no, you go. Harry. Harry. Harry? We Uh-oh. lost Harry. Okay. 
Okay. We'll put some credits Ooh. at the prison commissary for you, Harry, if you can still hear us. Have a cup of soup on us. We'll get you another sock, man. Anyway, Dragonstone. Dragonstone. <laughs> so we're back at Dragonstone after the meeting at King's Landing. We go back. So they all go back to Dragonstone for reasons that are... We must see our excellent map table. Yes. Yeah, it's the map the table. It's things. another minute at the map table. Another minute at the map. So they'll go back to Dragonstone. And Theon, who's been hanging around pointlessly since he escaped from uh, Euron's attack, finally says, I'm going to go get Yara, which he should have done four episodes ago. Yeah. I what has he... he been... Yes. What was he waiting around for? What purpose in life does he have? Yeah. Really, all he's got, he doesn't have any more claim to power. He doesn't have a fleet anymore. He's got nothing. So all he has is his connection to Yara, who he owes his life to, and his resurrection from, you know, cockless reek. So he should have gone to get her episodes ago, weeks ago, months ago. I found that conversation in the throne room between John and Theon to be pretty annoying. Yes, but, but I did think that there was like a, a symbolic aspect of it that I actually liked quite a bit. Symbolic in what way? Graham? Well, John telling Theon that he could be both Greyjoy and Stark. I see. I think is a nice gesture towards the idea that John can be both Stark and Targaryen. True. That you are not that you can choose your legacy, mm-hmm. say. You can you can you can you can take one from column A. Two from column B, the <laughs> Chinese menu metaphor of heritage. Yeah, I did like that element of it, but otherwise it was just like, man, this is just too many feelings well, for a conversation in a throne room in Game of Thrones. Clearly, you know? I, I think we can make a very simple prediction that Theon and John will never see each other again because that was such a valedictory conversation. Mm-hmm. That was basically when, when they met for the first time this season, they hadn't seen each other in many, many years, episodes, seasons. We were very angry. Oh, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I'm only going to let you live, says John, because of what you did for my sister. So this is the bookend of that conversation where John basically says, I forgive you. Now go do the right thing. So he's going to go do the right thing, hopefully at a cost of his own life. I think he even, he even probably hopes it's at a cost of his own life. Oh, he definitely. It yeah. was a nature was ready nurture conversation a little bit, though, wasn't it? What do you mean? <laughs> sure, sure. I mean... For John to say, because he's going to have a real identity crisis, as Greta was pointing out, when he realizes he's a Targaryen. Yeah. And that he's not Ned Stark's son. Right. But the point that he makes to Theon is that you are Ned Stark's son because Ned Stark raised you. Right. Right. That it's about what you've learned, not how you were born. It's not about just your genetics. right? Right. It might make you able to ride a dragon, which is cool that you're part Targaryen, but you're still Ned Stark's son. Right. No matter what is happening next. Because everything that they talked about, right, was, I trust Ned Stark's son. Right. The reason you're good is because you're Ned Stark's son. It's Ned Stark in you that makes you have to do these things, behave this way, honor Insist his legacy. Insist on telling the truth to your And enemies. so when he knows he's not Ned Stark's son, does that change his feeling about what he is sort of owing the family legacy? Right. Yes, no, you're Ned. right. There was a lot of foreshadowing in that conversation. Yeah, I think that that's very intentional. Like Cersei name-dropping Ned and then that scene with him and then us finding out that he's not Ned Stark's son. It's to give John this uh, sort of path out of the identity crisis he's going to have. Right. So is he is he allowed to have an identity crisis then if he's so aware of those arguments when he presents them to Theon? Yeah, he's going to have <laughs> to resolve that internal struggle. Right. And also the fact that he just slept with his aunt. Which is a problem. Right. But we'll get there. Okay. It's almost sexy sure boat will. Yeah. Yes. First, should we go back to well, the landing and Hang then get to on. sexy? Oh. What about the fight scene by the boat? 
Remember, he says, we got to go rescue Yara and, yeah. and that other iron, iron you, guy. I'll and I'll I was like, you. fuck, yeah, we're not going to do that. And he's like, well, we're going to fight. And by virtue of his superpower, not oh, yeah, having that's any true. genitals. That's speak, it all, coming back to the cock, man, I'm It all you. does. He wins the fight, which I found interesting. Yeah, the, the, the victorious look on his face. After he's getting kneed repeatedly in the balls and nothing happens because he has no balls. Yeah. Was interesting. Uh, I think it would hurt anyway, just saying. But at any rate. Yeah. But then he wins the fight, which I thought was, okay, fine, he wins the fight. And then all the other Iron Islanders like, okay, you won the fight, so we'll go with you. Yeah. Really? Is that how it works? Democracy, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah, really? In the Iron Islands, it's like the toughest guy wins, right? And then they just follow that person. Also, maybe the fact that- Yara had won. I mean, you know, that's the other thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just also remembering that moment where it was the last we saw of Theon at Winterfell before he- ended up uh, in Reek's, rather, excuse me, in Ramsay's prison, where he makes a speech about how we're going to fight, we're all going to die here at Winterfell fighting for the Iron Islands, and then somebody sort of whacks him in the back of the head yeah. and knocks him out. <laughs> and somebody says, why didn't you do that before? He said, I want to let him finish the speech. Yeah. I mean, that's what the Iron Islanders yeah, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. think of Theon. Also, let's be fair, that Euron's fake plan is a good plan. The Iron Islands guys should just go stay on the Iron Islands yes. until this oh, all yeah, sorts totally. yeah. I did out. say, his, getting back to that, his question, can, can they, they swim, swim? It was, good. was a good one. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, says John. They can't. Anyway. Okay, bye. So bye. So Theon is <laughs> off, and Theon is going to do what he should have done this last season, which is go rescue Yara. I honestly thought it was going to happen, because what else is there for him to do? Right. I don't know. He's going to go back to the Iron Islands, because he thinks that's where Euron went, but Euron went to Essos to oh, get the yeah, Golden shit. Company. So maybe while Theon's in the oh, Iron he Islands, gonna he's going to find the, the dragon horn? I don't know. Oh, the dragon, dragon horn. horn. Good one. That is so moot. It's muted and mooted. (laughs) Horn joke. That's a good one, Peter. Thank you, Greta. That's a really good one. Where are we going now? King's Landing. Back to King's Landing. Yeah, Cersei and Jaime are mad at each other. They are. Did you think how, again, this is another one of the many, many fake outs. Yep. Many, many. Are they going to die? You're going to kill me? And and Clegane, uh, the ghost of Sir Robert Strong, resurrected white mountain, pulls out his sword. And doesn't do anything. Jamie is allowed to live. Yes. He leaves. So this means, first of all, did you buy their argument? I.e., but I swore to them that I was going to go north. Well, I didn't, and so I was just lying. Well, I can't lie. I have honor, says the Kingslayer. Therefore, I'm going to abandon you, my only partner in this life, the only other person with whom I've had any human connection, except for Brienne, kind of. <laughs> I'm going to leave you because I swore to do this. Yep. And therefore my sense of o- loyalty and oath-keeping trumps this intense, insane connection. <laughs> I don't think it was about honor. I think it was about Jamie realizing that this is the only way for the survival of yep. humans on yep. Westeros. Yep. It was about doing, doing what had to happen. Yeah. yeah. That for him, for Cersei... Her one unborn child is actually more important than all other humans. For Jamie, spurred on by Brienne, right. he realizes, no, that's actually right. not the overarching... That may well be the case, but tr- then Jamie's decision is simply to leave individually. He just walks away. He's not shown riding away, leading the Lannister forces. He's right. riding away He's by himself. Yep. And what that does is it sets up presumably some, remember he said, I, what does he say to Brienne? I'll see you across a battlefield. Well, mm-hmm. he'll probably going to see Cersei across a battlefield mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And maybe that final moment of that prediction of that prophecy will come true. But it also means that, um, that Jamie threw away this one enormous, important alliance connection he had for nothing. He's not going to. 
by himself. He's not going to save the world. Well, from a storytelling point of view, it's effective because there is a law in Westeros that you can only have one incestuous relationship at a time. Right. Otherwise, things get really weird. Yeah, exactly. Could it be, I mean, if he really wanted to save the world, quote unquote, he should have immediately killed Cersei Mm. and taken over. Well, eventually he's got to. Going to to do that. Yeah. 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 That would have been too much for this episode. Although, if it had happened, I might have been more pleased than I am now. I don't know. I think it's going to be... Interesting to see Jamie as a character just sort of show up and be actually the only one who knows how to run an army. Right. Maybe whip the northern forces into shape so that they can actually do something. Because as we know, John, you know, doesn't always do battle right. He has to yes. get saved by someone yes, at the end exactly. of the battle. So it's so might it's good be... thing Jamie's showing up. Yeah. yeah. All right. yeah. So, like John's also... so I'm just going to run out there foolishly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to zigzag, even though there's bows and arrows. Uh... Yes. And I'm going to look kind of tragic. As yeah, I, he is yeah. good at that. As I pull out my sword, and then you'll run up and rescue me, right? That's how it works. Can yeah. I tell you, I don't know if it was what I was most excited about this episode, but it might have been was seeing snow in King's Landing. That was like, oh, That was really shit. cool. Yeah, and the sort did of you know coral score yeah. thing that they did was cool. Yeah, it was very cool as, as, as winter finally came yeah, to King's Landing. Yeah, winter's coming, man. Yeah, and, and it, made, it made, I think, John look prescient by wearing all his robes to a tropical locale. <laughs> yeah, there you, <laughs> you know, go. Winter's coming. Dude, aren't you sweating under there? Winter's coming. I liked the symbolism of him putting the glove over his gold hand to mm-hmm. sort of like hide his Lannister self. He was no longer mm-hmm. wearing his lions. Well, was he that was, what that was? I yeah, wondered about that because yeah. it was a pointed moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was more about disguising his identity, but maybe it's the same thing. I think it par- both because he's not wearing – I mean he always wears his friggin' Lannister lions on everything he has. Yeah. And he's basically dressed incognito and he's got that on. I was wondering a little bit why Bronn wasn't with him, but to be determined. Yes. Yeah, well, Bronn and Podrick are now rowing. With oh, injury. right. They went I to get a drink and we never saw him again. Yeah, they're gone they, Did forever. they do that? They all left together? The two of them, like during the TED Talk, yeah. right before the TED Talk, yeah. they were like, let's go. Let's go have a drink. Yeah, Ron and, and Pod. Yeah. yeah. We don't know where Gendry is. Hopefully <laughs> but he's making... But we can making... assume that he's with them, right? Yeah, where Gendry was... La- well, yeah, we have to get yeah, back Gendry to the wall. Which is at the Winterfell Forges, I think. Yes. Is where Gendry is. Oh, yeah, that's good. Really? Did Gendry get back to Winterfell? Last we saw him, he was at Eastwatch. Yeah, but... I've just decided. Okay, anyway, moving on. Okay, sexy boat time or... Uh, wait, a minute, time. What wait, do you wait a minute, first? wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to talk about the Three-Eyed Raven because it may have, I mean, there was nothing, I honestly think there was nothing better in this entire season of television, six plus hours, seven plus hours. Than that reveal? That, no, than Sam's reaction yeah. oh, okay, when good. he says, I'm the Three-Eyed Raven. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know I don't what know that what means. That yes. John Bradley is a brilliant uh, comic actor. He's amazing. He's to me, great. it was reacting like, oh, I've become really oh. involved in like uh, in, in like selling health products to my friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's nice. Oh, oh, that's really good for you. It's amazing. I've really <laughs> I'm rose doing in a three cleanse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought awesome. you meant the reveal, and I was going to be like, really, dude. The reveal about what? The reveal of Aegon Targaryen. Yeah, yeah, we knew. Hey, here's the the thing. thing. And I actually got into a kind of an argument with a friend, and I want to see what your opinion is. Uh, So when Sam Sam says to Bram, well, it turns out I found in this book, i.e. Taking credit for Billy's work. Yeah, Yeah, also taking credit. I thought the Three-Eyed Raven on Demand thing was pretty obnoxious. Really? Like, oh, I'll go back. Oh, can you see that? (laughs) Checking. I read about that. Checking. Yeah, man. Like, does it, is it that easy? Yes, that's true. Um, what was interesting to me, the, the, the argument was that way back, I guess it was an episode ago, when Gilly said, oh, I read this interesting thing. And 
and Sam seemed to be ignoring her, mm-hmm. either because of the patriarchy or because he was upset. Because of the <laughs> patriarchy. It's the same thing, Because man. of the patriarchy. <laughs> uh, the argument that the the, the the case presented was that he wasn't. He was actually listening, heard it, knew what it was at stake, and he had to get out. But actually, I think that's that. Sam think, lied. He said, like, I, I was that. transcribing that Septon's journal, and he was like he he hadn't yet because Gilly was just reading it, right? And he didn't. And then they immediately left King's Landing, or they immediately leave Old Town from there. He's right. not going to continue doing his scribing work on that journey. Yeah, right. he's, he's, he just straight up lied anymore. to take credit for Gilly's discovery. Well, and the internet wanted a patriarchy jingle on Sam, and I agree. If Peter's opinion Sam. falls in the forest, does anybody give a shit? There you are. That but was on I, Sam. I, I think this is over. <laughs> so there, Sam. I think this is overthinking it. I think it was just sloppy. I think that they mm. just used the Gilly moment to just introduce the the the. the Information, the information, and then, yeah, yeah. and then well, it turns out that Sam actually knew it all along, or he found it out when he reread the book. And I don't think that all of this wondering what Sam and Gilly were up to is uh, is has any point to it. It's just a point of information that we know that they had, and now everybody has it. Well, I think that is a somewhat patriarchal opinion, but we'll let you have all it. All right, Peter. thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. So the audience, once again, it is confirmed that John is a Targaryen. I guess this is the most we, obvious. Yes, I we've think known part, this for some time. I don't understand. Like, I would rather see John find that out. Than Sam, but I guess we're just that much closer, and I should just be happy that we have another season in a year. Yeah, I also like the fact that the actor who they found to play Rhaegar in that flashback mm-hmm. uh, looked a lot like the actor who played his son in season one. Yeah, uh, which I thought was nice yep. on their part. Yeah, I thought that was well done. I wonder too if we're going to spend more time back in time for that the next season cool. since we've got six episodes and just like one impending battle. Yeah, well, what else is there to discover in the in the past? I mean, all the secrets have been revealed. We all know what. I mean, really, it's serious. We know. (laughs) That's just such a funny sentence. We know everything. We're the three eyed raven. We are. We are all the three eyed raven. The. I mean, we know now. We know the big secret of who Jon Snow is. We've it's been revealed in dribs and drabs, but it's all clear. It's all obvious. We all know what it is. We also know, uh, thanks to the trial, who was responsible. And yeah. listen to the TV yeah. version. And I that Robert's Rebellion was a lie. Robert's Rebellion was based on a lie, and the whole fight was started by Littlefinger through his manipulations. He's the one who really killed John Aaron. He's the one who really attempted to kill um, Bran in his bed by giving the knife, because the knife really belonged to you. So all the mysteries are revealed. There's nothing left to go back to the past four, is there? I don't know. I just feel like that's a very strong statement. I know. There's got to be something wrong with it, but I don't know what it is <laughs> just, at this moment. Just because I said it? <laughs> I think I'm just going to disagree on principle. Just, just, okay, it's got to be wrong. <laughs> um, is Tormund dead or alive? Oh, I don't know. Such a good question. Break. I'm caught because on the one hand, it seemed like, yeah, wh- how is he going to survive that? Right? He was way up on the wall. I mean, the last thing you heard him say before, run, run, was it's a long way down. And yet at the same time, would they kill off to those two characters, not only Tormund but Beric, without at least like an acknowledgement? That? Yeah. A, a shot of them falling, a shot of their bodies, anything to indicate, yeah, they just died. We did see them not to die. We saw them sort of like get just to safety on a part of the wall yeah. that wasn't falling, which makes me think maybe they're not dead. Also, and I have a friend who made this statement that I think is a good one, which is, Tormund is the only wildling we know and care about. Yes. And yeah. so since the wildlings are an important part of this sort of democratization and right. coming togetherness it's about of representation. Yeah. You know, seriously, that <laughs> it is, awesome. he is our one representative of this entire group right. of people. And so to just lose him 
that quickly would be a shame. I think there will be a scene in one of the opening episodes, if not the opening moment of the next episode and the next season, which is a lot like the scene of Bronn and Jamie popping up from the water after the big battle by the loot train going, well, that was a close one, in, es- <laughs> in effect. Also, if you guys haven't seen Tormund's Instagram... He and the Hound have a really great weird singing moment in the trailer when you can tell that they've just like lost their minds filming up north. <laughs> so I'll put a link. Yeah. So my bet that. is that both Beric and Tormund are in fact alive because it would be so sad yeah, if they were just that that's how nice. they went just as part of a huge CGI collapse. All right. We will hear from more of you, dear listeners, in just a minute. All right, let's hear from some of you via voicemail. Hi, Nerdette. Recap Game of Thrones with Peter Seigel. <laughs> Thank this you for saying Jen the whole name of the show. Indianapolis, Indiana. My question is, what was up with Tyrion after he saw Jon go into Danny's quarters on the ship? He looked to be upset or maybe nervous, but... We're having a hard time figuring out what exactly was going on there, so hopefully you have some commentary on that. Really enjoy your show. Thank you so much for putting so much work into it, and can't wait to hear what you have to say. What did we think of Tyrion? Uh, there were, there was, in my viewing party last night, there were a lot of uh, friend zone jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which were more apropos for the way that Jorah yeah, looked reacted at about the boat cruise, yeah, about the yeah. boat cruise back when when they were discussing it. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's Tyrion's problem. Uh, although who knows? Everybody as he seems to fall in love with Danny. Um, I, I, it seemed like his alarm was probably more about what this now personal alliance. Uh, <laughs> he said, wagging his eyebrows, <laughs> is going to mean to his plans for the future. Yeah. You know, and he also, he's, since he considers himself the principal advisor, even though he's a terrible one to Danny, he's probably wondering about his position being um, replaced. Well, because... and how would it work in this world if they were to marry? Would she still be queen or would he be king and actually, because he's a dude, rule, even though it's marriage? I think well... it's, I think because he's a dude is like the, the trump card in all of Game of Thrones. Well, and he's also the rightful heir, right? He is, as we now has been well, established and established. Well, Tyrion doesn't necessarily know that yet. My question That's is sort true. of, is oh, Tyrion okay. basically going like, uh-oh, now I'm either going to have to convince this guy so that I can be Hand of the King, or, like, is he basically just going like, like you said, Peter, I'm losing power and influence right, right. now, is what he knows is happening. Yeah. Because if they're joining forces, more wagging of eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> then he is no longer the right hand to her and the most you know, close confidant, Yeah, he's going to be second fiddle in terms of w- how much influence his advice has. There is and John's a, dumb. This is, he knows that John is kind of dumb. He knows, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that Danny telling John that she couldn't have kids was John just being like, challenge accepted? Possibly. I was really yeah. wondering about that because that was really disorienting to me. We have understood as part of Danny's character since the end of season right. one yeah. that she cannot have children. But when she puts it like, well, this witch told me, it is kind of like, wait a second, is, is this uh, actually, uh, like maybe this doesn't have to be a thing. As Kit Harrington you know? says, it doesn't seem like a reliable source of information, yeah, yeah, does it? You know? All of a sudden he talks like a beetle. Yeah. But it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Liverpool. Wouldn't it be weird if like this establishing thing about this character, this thing that happened to her to make her who she is, mother of dragons, 
because she can't be mother of people. If all that turns out, it wasn't actually true. And also, if it turns out that she has been fertile this whole time, shouldn't be at least a couple of little Dario's running around, given <laughs> given the intense amount of Dario bonking there were. Hey, there was you just never know. It's also, true. can John procreate since he's undead? Many questions. Yes, I oh, don't know. Maybe that is a good <laughs> question. A good, no I one didn't has even ever think studied of that. Can the swimmers swim? Exactly. If they have died. Yeah, and there was. I didn't realize this until I was watching. We were getting ready to watch the new episode. We watched the last episode, including the final shot of Danny and. Um, John having, I was now know their sort of pre-coital moment. Ugh. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, I, I was looking at all of, you know, she, she's looking at him lying in bed and his wounds. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was wounds from the fight. But no, it was the wounds from when he was killed. Yeah. yeah. The scars over his heart and chest. Oh, yeah. So there's obviously a moment of like saying, oh, my God, this guy really was stabbed to death and now he's back. That hasn't so far been overtly said. Correct. Yes. All right. One more voicemail. Hey, it's Tommy from New Haven. Uh, I was just wondering if you think Bran can warg into a white animal? Asking for a friend. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so the idea is that then Bran could w- warg into, warg into this terrifying ice dragon. That's possible. I don't. I that just strikes me as being like not right. Presumably because they're mindless zombies who are being controlled by the by the White Walkers and or Night's King. So it seems, I mean, whose brain do you take over? It seems a little too convenient to me. Although there was that moment again in the last episode with that one white, the very rather rotted one, the the one who gets hit by the rock. The rather rotted rotted, The rather rather rotted white, who who actually seems to have agency and thought when he gets hit by the head in the rock. He looks down at the rock and he sees it and goes, oh, there's a rock (laughs) on the ice. It didn't break through. I'm now going to talk on, walk on the, but by the way, this is the same voice that Mara and I use to imitate our dogs thinking. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's Muppet-esque. Yeah, it's like really. Muppety, yeah. yeah. I'm going to walk on the, I'm just <laughs> now going to walk on the ice now and see what happens. Oh, I'm a white. <laughs> hey, am I falling through? <laughs> hey, let's just walk real slow all the way down to Windfell. <laughs> if the white got halfway out in the lake and turned around and did like Kermit hands, hey guys, you can Walk in the ice. <laughs> White's doing Muppet flails. <laughs> All right, I think we've officially gone round the bend. We have. I promised you an excellent penultimate episode. Ooh, and I don't here know. Here it is. I don't know. <laughs> Reminder that we will do one more episode next week where we're going to talk about predictions for next season. But for now, we want to say that if you will be joining us in Chicago in a couple nights from now, we yeah. will be happy to see you at the Donk House. It is sold out, but thank you to everyone who's going to come out and hang out with us in Chicago's Lincoln Square. Uh, if you want to leave a message for next week to talk about your predictions for next season, call us at 855-923-9993. And you can always find us online at wbez.org slash thrones. Yes, we are at Nerdat Podcast on Twitter. There is Trisha Bobita and Greta M. Johnson. Peter is at Peter Segel. And you can also use the hashtag GOT Nerdcast. <laughs> Thanks to Rick Latshaw, who left us a very lovely review on Apple Podcast. And he actually wrote that uh, Peter looks like Sean Connery's stunt double. Hey! I said that Thank we shouldn't you. tell you that, but here we I are. am very happy that you told me that. <laughs> so only regret it if you don't enjoy bringing me happiness. <laughs> uh, the show is produced by us with very much help from Justin Bull. And as extra special thanks this week to Harry Musisi and Harry Strickland. Harry Strickland. Harry Strickland, we're with you, man. Stay strong. Remember, the only, the only two days you serve are the day you get there and the day you get out, man. Uh. <laughs>
Peace and love, Harry. <laughs> our executive producer is Joel Meyer. And our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. The Eerie. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.